I think everybody can agree that the future of leadership is strong, soft skills, a strong EQ. But that takes time to develop and it takes time for a team to understand how to develop it. And that rubs up against actually getting things done. And some people don't think the investment is worth it. But once you change your mindset and how you look at soft skills and how important they are and how you can implement them without sacrificing execution, you'll be very successful at it. We're going to talk about that today. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast, our new episode. I really appreciate y'all being here from across America and around the world. Hope you had a fantastic weekend and you got a great week coming up. Um, So talking today about soft skills, everybody can agree that the future of leadership really revolves around strong EQ, strong how you deal with people in all facets, not just when you have to. You got a customer, you got an issue at work, and you you change your mindset just for that moment. I'm talking about all the time. And those who are going to be very successful at the soft skills are going to advance because let's face it, nobody wants to work certainly in a drama filled environment. Nobody wants to work for a hothead anymore. And we got to focus on building our soft skills, which are actually hard skills are harder to do. You need a lot more discipline than not having them because let's face it, the the leadership of the past was very simple. The, the authoritarian type leadership, just do what I say or we'll find somebody else who'll do it. And it's really lazy when you think about it. But to really not just have soft skills of all mushy stuff of, oh, how can I make you feel better today? It's really more about focusing on the development of others and understanding that as the leader, you are the thermostat for your team's culture and how you deal with them all the time. And your team will smell a rat. In other words, if just in the moment you're doing the right things and being empathetic and all that, well, sure, just about anybody can do that. But I'm talking about all the time. I'm talking about how they feel when they pull in the parking lot and see your car there and know what kind of day they're going to have, regardless of what they face, whatever crisis or problem or any issues like that. They know because you're there and how you handle things as the leader, they know how it's going to go. Because hard skills, meaning being very direct, very abrupt, very abrasive, all of that, or, or even in some cases, job threatening, if you will, that does work at first. It works to get people moving, but it's kind of a short term gain but a long-term pain. So people will snap to and follow what you're telling them. But after a while, when they realize, okay, nobody's really going to lose their job. Nobody's really going to be demoted or things like that. They, they see past how hard you're trying to lead or whip them into shape or whatever metaphor you want to use that 
they just shut down or they don't care or they think you're just full of crap, basically. But developing soft skills, like really investing in your team. Like I always say, leadership's not about you, but later it'll be about you. In other words, when you really build that team up, when you are really there for them, when they know they can bring you problems and you're not going to lose your mind or take it out on them. In other words, they trust you. That's when the magic happens. That's when sooner or later, somebody's going to look around seeing a well-oiled machine running with your people and say, who's leading these people? And that's where you get it later. But there's a lot of things that get in the way of that. A lot of our mindset that turns us off, even though we know instinctively that soft leadership skills is the way to go, there's a lot of things that rub against that. Number one, we always think in our brain, there's no labor for that. And by labor, I don't mean an actual person. I mean like the time. Like when you lay out everything that needs to be done and by who and by when, there's never any time carved out for, hey, let's talk about soft leadership skills. Let's implement some soft leadership skills. Uh, let's have a recognition party. You know, all those kinds of things that are related to soft skills, they're, they're, we never feel like we have time for that. Or you have this mindset of, if my company wanted me to do that, they would teach me to do that. Here's where most companies really fall short. They say they have a culture or a mission statement wrapped around something. You can say whatever you want in a meeting, quarterly meeting, year-end meeting, thanking your team, whatever. But day-to-day, incident after incident, interaction after interaction, if that's not there all the time, people will know that. They will sense that and they won't believe you. And a lot of leaders, they don't get actual leadership training. They don't get soft skills training or or it's not rewarded. When you think about higher level leaders, they don't talk about it. It's too many times we look at other leadership levels and think, well, they should just be better at what they do. They should have more ownership. They should work more hours because they're leader. And it's like this tough love thing. And they don't realize, hey, leaders are people too. And they respond to the same kinds of stimulus that uh, anybody would respond to, whether they just do one particular job and they're they're working 40 hours and they're in and out, or you're in control of a whole department or, or a whole division. You can be motivated by the same things. You just have to talk about different things or different responsibilities. And too often companies don't make it a big deal. So a lot of mid and lower level leaders say, well, if they don't think it's important, why should I? Don't get rewarded for it. Why should I bother? And that becomes the dichotomy of this dual type leadership thought process that on a lower level, oh, we want to give recognition and do all that. But on a leadership level, we don't want to do that because our leaders, they should just know better or just want it more or whatever. And that's not the case. You also think about, we want to hire self-starters, right? We want to hire people that are already wound up and ready to go, but yet we want to put them in the same box. We want to look at them all. They should think like I do or how all the leadership is in the company. They got to, and I'm not talking about thinking like, obviously we all have the same goal we're working toward, but like how they work, what are their mannerisms? How do they handle problems? We want everybody to look the same, act the same, talk the same. And putting everybody in the same box is not healthy for growth. And you can go back to podcast number 18 called Stop Putting Everyone in the Same Box and listen to a whole podcast about that, about how that doesn't really work for long-term strategy growth. That's what, when you when you don't, when you try to put everybody in the same box, that's when you start having this appearance of disengagement because they don't think like everybody else or handle things the same way or because you think because they're not outgoing and and you don't feel their presence, they're not loud, and they're not getting things done. And that's not the that's not the case at all. Very, very high level leaders that are very successful are
are introverted and you don't hear them a lot. They're just very methodical in what they do. But we get in this thing of trying to make everybody be the same and we don't think that they're doing the work because they don't do it like we would do it. And we don't focus on is it actually being done? We just kind of look at the how, which is kind of interesting that we're talking about soft skills and the how. But sometimes if it's the how is not like us, we don't think it's happening. But why is it so hard to learn soft skills when everything you need to know about how to work or treat others, you actually learned in kindergarten? Let me think about it. Well, maybe you don't remember. I don't have a lot of memories from the kindergarten years for sure. Maybe a few vague pictures in my head. But that's the level you learned how to share, how to talk to somebody, how to work problems out together, how to put your stuff away. When you think about in your office or if you got a production area or whatever, and you talk about workspace organization, all of that was in kindergarten of how to do that. So how did we lose that as an adult? Shouldn't we be better at it? But we're not because we get so wrapped up in everything about me is about what I get done. And that makes total sense. Don't don't misunderstand. You have to get stuff done. And yet here we have this absolute rub or the thinking there's a rub of you got to take time and have the investment of a low yield investment, but constant returns over a long period of time rather than picking that hot stock. In other words, I pick that one worker that just gets a ton of stuff done. And the next thing I know, they're causing all kinds of problems and drama and things like that. But man, they get so much work done and you just kind of overlook that and you don't think about long-term investments of helping somebody. Or maybe you got somebody in your team that is kind of flying under the radar and you don't think they can handle more until you actually give them more, but you don't because you just don't know. You haven't seen it and you don't take the time to develop them. You know, it's kind of like you take a long road trip on an interstate and you're in such a hurry to get there and you want to make a certain amount of time and all of that that, oh, we can't stop for gas or we can go further, we can go further and the next thing you know, you're almost out and now you don't have any fuel for the car and you just go, 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 go and you feel like garbage or you don't eat regularly on a road trip and all that, it it just kind of wears you down. And, And all of that is just like, why... Is it so hard digging the soft skills when everybody knows that's what we should be doing? So I'm just going to go over a few facts just just to show you factually. It's just not me babbling about about this stuff. And this article is from trust.world. And I got the link in the show notes. So it's spelled differently with a V instead of a U. But don't worry about that. The link is in the show notes if you want to read it. But they did a lot of research. And according to a study in 2016, 93% of employers term soft skills as either very important or essential. 55% of CFOs agreed the greatest challenge of hiring professionals in accountancy is how to choose a candidate with the right soft skills. So they were just looking at accountants and look, if you're an accountant or, or a bean counter, my apologies, but you guys get a bad rap for being, the bean counters are very exact and they don't give you a lot of wiggle room. And you talk about somebody who could probably use some soft skills that would be a great place to start. Um, a Harvard Business Review writer, Lou Solomon, wrote that 69% of managers feel uncomfortable communicating soft skills with their employer. In other words, saying, hey, this is what we really should focus on if we want to grow our team. They feel uncomfortable bringing that up because you know what? They know what they're going to get. Hey, that's nice, but we got to get stuff done. Get back to work. And although 97% of employers said soft skills are essential, a mere 37% of the same set of employers said their entry-level employees possess the necessary soft skills. So 95% of them say you got to have it, but yet they're hiring 37% that have it. So where whose fault is that? 
that? Is it the fault of the candidate or the interview process? Or do they not do that later? That's a great question. 97% agreed that soft skills training is a suitable method of evaluating and developing recruits and current employees of how they treat other people or treat problems or interact with each other. That is a very good measurement for long-term growth. And only 31% of employers actually provide soft skill development to their employees. So that's just a few stats that, that tell us what we already know. I think we all can agree or understand instinctively there's a huge disconnect there. And like I talked about before of no time to gas up the car, we also do something that's almost kind of opposite in a sense. And a lot of times we micromanage well-paid leaders. We don't kind of let them run. We don't let them do their thing. And we see that a lot as a problem or as the leader are you creating a failure anxiety? There's a lot of leaders that are just running, running, running on what needs to get done. And obviously things do need to get done, but they are so focused on that. Or if you think about, if you think about the working genius survey put out by the table group, which is Patrick Lencioni, five dysfunctions of a team, that whole group. And one of their geniuses that they come up with is tenacity, which is true. That is a, a thing, a skill set, something people gravitate toward. But as the leader, if that's all you do, then everybody has in, in that area, whatever area they're leading has that. Like they think that's the way life is. And it's just nothing but tenacity. Just go, 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 get this list done, get the next list done. We never have discussions about how do we grow someone? How do we develop something? So we miss out on a lot by doing that. Now, here's another big one that really gets in the way of things. And I'm talking about probably mid-level leadership in a company or, or higher. When you're looking at your operation, are you more of an inspector or a developer. In other words, if you had to sum up, whether you're examining a department's work or you're visiting, like you're physically visiting it, how often are you inspecting all the work versus the development side of it? Like what's in front of your face right then versus where do you think that team should be and what do you think they need to get to where you think they should be? Are you an inspector or a developer? And I'm here to tell you that if, if even half the time or more, every time you come around, you're in that inspector mode, well, that's how everybody's going to view you. No matter how much you want to try to say, well, I try to say good morning to them or try to ask them about personal stuff, about how, you know, what are they doing their days off or their weekends or what are their hobbies, all that kind of stuff. But if your actions with them are more in the inspection mode than the team development mode every time you come by, that's exactly how they view you. No matter what you're going to say, they know, oh, here comes Inspector 12. That's what they think. And you you will have a much harder time developing a team, developing even one leader, if the majority of your visits, all you're doing is inspecting the work. And you're thinking, well, wait a second. Things have to get done. Things have to get done right. Things have to get done efficiently. Yeah, there's a place for that. But it, I'm just telling you, if the larger percentage of the time you visit your team is about inspection, that's how you'll be viewed. And that's how you'll be treated as a leader. So in other words, that's how they'll show up and say, oh boss, look what we did or here's what we're working on and all that. But they, they, they will never go past that and you'll never be able to break that barrier. And like I always say, no matter what you're doing in the moment, you can't be doing something else. So if you're constantly in inspection mode, you can't be in development mode and you can't wind the clock back and start over. So think about that as you're examining what you're leading, how often are you in inspection mode versus development mode? 
mode. Because here's the thing, when you're constantly in inspection mode, you're gonna get more of the same thing. You're gonna be more aggravated when you don't see good progress, when you don't see good proficiency. But when you start spending time on the development side, it's more of an investment in time up front. There's no doubt about it. But then all of a sudden things kind of start falling into place a lot quicker. And then when you start adding some encouragement to that, you find that your inspection time diminishes greatly and they're really starting to accomplish a lot more things a lot more efficiently. And here's some truth about how behavior is higher than knowledge. And this is from a Forbes.com article. And again, I got this link in the show notes, so don't worry. Um, you can click on that and find it. So here's one thing. Employees were fired, not promoted or rated poorly because they didn't seem to fit in with the team or they didn't mesh, quote unquote, in with the organizational culture. They didn't know how to lead others. And number three, because they didn't resolve conflict well or at all or completely avoided it. So more employees were fired, not for their knowledge, not for what they knew, but how they did stuff, how they handle problems or not handle problems. Every major HR issue I've ever dealt with, almost every single one of them, when I start peeling back the onion layers and talking to all the parties involved, I, I almost always find that it started way back when on a way much smaller scale. But because nothing was handled, nothing was brought up, there was nothing there to fix it, nothing there to stop it before it really grew. So it blew up eventually. And this is kind of what this is saying here. And some other reasons they gave, didn't take initiative, weren't most motivated or because they didn't display drive, didn't have integrity, actually stole something from the company, weren't reliable and couldn't be trusted to deliver, didn't come to work on time, late too often, treated people harshly or seemed to be way too abrasive in workplace bullies, were a bit off in quotes, or their personality seemed odd, actually violated company policy, didn't like their boss, or didn't seem to like their job. All of these different things are very, are, are, they're all behavior related. Not did I accomplish what was on the production line, or did my facts and figures in my report make sense? It wasn't any of that. It was all behavior related. And isn't that the thing that drives leaders batty the most is how your team behaves or doesn't care or uh, how you handle stuff, all of those things. And they're all behavior related. And as the leader, this is so critical of why do you need soft skills as a leader so you can stop this, so you can protect the culture boundaries, so you can say, hey, this is what, how we agreed to work together. It's okay if you don't, but you can't be here. You can't be on our team if you're not going to be these things. So this Forbes article sums it up perfectly of it's all behavior driven stuff. So a key question becomes, how do you hire for what you actually can't see? In other words, you're interviewing a candidate for whatever it is. So it could be anything. It could be accounting, could be marketing, could be production manager. And you can look at a lot of tangible things they've done in the past, other marketing campaigns they've done, working for different companies explaining how their production works. All of that is, that's tangible stuff. But the soft skills, how do they lead a team? How do they develop a team? How do they hire other people? If you're putting them in that position, how do you see that? And you really have to design your interview skills way more about basically almost like a soft skill interview and start talking about things like, tell me about a time an employee really broke your trust on their behavior. Why do you think it happened? And what did you do about it? How do you handle those things? Or ask them, what is the, the most favorite thing when it comes to developing people you like to do? What is the least favorite thing? The thing that frustrates you about building a team and really kind of get 
almost, I don't want to say a miniature psychologist, but like really getting in their their head, their brain. They're trying to figure out what it is that makes them tick, how they think about those things. And that's what you have to really start seeing is how can you hire for what you can't see? You have to create an expectation of execution, but how do you do it softly? In other words, how do you do it where they're executing on what they need to do, but at the same time, making it a place they want to be, making it a place they can't wait to get to. They, they enjoy their life outside of work, no doubt, but man, they just love being on the team. How do you do both? How do you how do you set that expectation? And it's, it's a huge paradigm shift because here's the crux of the whole thing. When you talk about how do I execute how do I have soft skills? Here's the mindset shift you gotta have. Oftentimes, especially with strategies, we think about mission statements and strategies. Strategies become just another list of things to do. What they really need to be is a list of behaviors that we act like when we're doing what we already do. In other words, it's how we work, not what we do. Like I move widget from place A to place B and then I put something else on it or, or whatever your job is. Like I said, if you're in marketing and you build a marketing campaign, there, there's obviously certain tangible things you have to do to build an effective marketing campaign. But what I'm talking about is how do you how do you work with your team to have creation, have development, and then execute on what needs to get done, like trusting that everybody will do their part. It's the how you work. That's where the soft skills investment pays off. That's where you're really not spending more time because again, you can't do two things at once. So in other words, I can bark an order at you or or I can just lay out what needs to be done in a totally different way that I, I you know I trust you and I'm going to give you some some feedback and an encouragement and some recognition and you know all that's coming. It's kind of like when I walk around an operation of whatever company, I don't hear silence. People are always talking, right? So why don't you just talk about the good stuff? Why don't you talk about what matters? It's really easy to do. It's not more time consuming. And what you have to decide is when you start that kind of thing is which cue are you in the moment? And I have a podcast episode number 21, which cue are you? And it's about how you'll show up. So you have IQ, EQ, and number three, what I call GQ. Yeah, just like the magazine. It's all about fashion and how you look. And that's important in some spaces, not as much, but how you show up, how you look makes a difference. No doubt about it. But in the mode of the EQ versus the IQ, are you there to teach? Are you there to encourage or develop? And how do you show up? Those are three huge things that you can do very well and know which cue you need to be in the moment, but you can also pick the wrong cue and deprogram people. So in other words, let's say you got a serious problem that, that calls for a specific resolution, which means you have to use what you know, right? Well, that's IQ. But if you show up with EQ, you show empathy, you, you care, but you pat them on the back, but you didn't solve their problem. So they're like, well, thanks boss. Thanks for caring, but we still are stuck and you're not helping. And then they say, well, is this guy just a sunshine rainbows guy? Not helping? And the other thing happens too, and the team just needs some affirmation. They just need some recognition and you're still in IQ mode or in GQ mode where you're in some cases kind of acting like a used car salesman or trying to look better than you are when they really need the other kind of cue to move forward, if that makes sense. So you really have to decide when you do that paradigm shift of it's just a mindset of how you do something. Which cue do you need to be for the moment that you're in that really does help your team? So thinking about that, think about an org chart 
chart for your organization. Now it looks like a pyramid, right? Because you have to keep track of who does what and how they do it. And that's fine. You should. Everybody should know who has what responsibilities, no doubt about it. But your culture chart should just be one line, one horizontal line that I don't care how high you are. You're in the C-suite. You're in the supply office. I don't care. The culture is the same for everyone. We know what your title is. You don't have to tell us. We know how much you get paid. We know how much influence you have on the company. You don't have to tell anybody. Like I always say, confidence doesn't need an announcement. We just know you are or you aren't, right? Well, that applies to everything. So when it comes to your org chart, it should be a pyramid just so you know who does what. But your culture org chart should be one horizontal line that everybody is on the same level when it comes to that. And there's a couple of things you can do to help make that happen. So one of the things is eliminating the duality of leadership. And I mentioned this a little earlier Treating managers differently than people who aren't managers simply because they're managers. They just have more responsibility. I get it. But how you handle them is the same. They're human beings. They respond to the same kinds of things like recognition, like development. Leadership in and of itself is a whole different skill set that needs its own kind of training and its own kind of growth than just what you're trying to create. So don't treat managers differently. Again, don't treat your managers like the org chart when it comes to development when it should be one horizontal line. Another thing you want to do as a leader is slay your dragons quietly. In other words, people who are creating drama, people are disrupting, people are killing your operation. You don't have to join them in their drama. Your job as the leader is to be the thermostat of the culture, to protect the culture boundaries of what you all agreed to, to work like and be like and act like. Just simply pull them aside and tell them, hey, here's the behaviors we agreed to. Here's how we deal with each other. And here's how your behaviors are. Not necessarily just attacking the person because they're just going to get defensive and you're never going to get anywhere, but just addressing the behavior. And you still might not get very far, but at least you're laying it out and saying, this is what you do. This is how you make the team feel when you do things like this. And we can't have it no matter how much they're producing. And you can just be quiet and say, hey, look, you got to make a decision. Either you want to join us and how we work together, or you got to be somewhere else. It's just that simple. You have to uphold that. You have to think about, are you task-driven to behavior-driven and then back to strategy execution? So task-driven, like I said, no doubt about it, we got to get stuff done or we're not going to make any money. We're not going to make any profit. The company's not going to do well. We're not going to be efficient. I get that. It starts with that, but it has to merge over to behavior-driven. Like everybody understands the task. Once they understand how things work in whatever it is they do, you can't stay there. You got to go into the behavior driven and back to the strategy execution, meaning is your strategy the daily behaviors and decisions that if your team does that, they're going to go in the right direction. Don't stay in just where the tasks are. So think about things like when you have meetings, think about the 85% rule of meetings, that 85% of what you talk about has got to be related to that, to strategy execution. If you're just having a meeting to tell people stuff, make it an email, make it a newsletter, say here's some info you do need, but we don't need to yank you away from your job and sit down and talk about this stuff. But when you do that, when you get the team together, again, whatever it is you're doing, you can't be doing something else at the same time. So if you're going to take the time to pull the team together away from the responsibilities they have, make it count. 85% of what you talk about should be about what they should be doing or how well they're doing it or how much they could do it better or you got a different way to show them. But it's got to be related to that. Make it worth their while. You pay more for do-overs, meaning new hires, versus continually developing people. So if you just start churning people, if you stay in the task-driven lane, if you are an inspector versus a developer, you're going to turn people over and you will pay more. Like for those of you who are stuck either in your own mind that soft skills development takes too long or maybe 
you work for people who think that way. I'm telling you, you will pay more to, to churn people through and hire new people and start over. And I think we all instinctively know that. I actually worked for a company once that had a slogan, well-intentioned, but it said, done right or done over. And it was like a creed to, we'll make it right no matter what. But the, the fact that they put the premise out there, done right or done over, which was the whole, li- whole tagline, automatically makes you think, well, wait a second, there's a chance that something's going to go wrong? Yeah, probably. And of course, they, they wound up changing it because I think they saw the, 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 the error in that and, and how unproductive that was. But that's kind of what I think about when I think about we don't develop our teams. We didn't do it right, so we're going to do it over. So this new person, this hired gun, this person with all this other experience they're going to bring in. But if, if your culture isn't about that, it's not about development, it's not about growing your team, it's not going to matter who you hire. They're going to fall right into just being task-driven and all be about themselves and all of that. And nothing's going to change. And pretty soon that's going to turn over. But I've got five steps for you for long-term execution, getting things done through soft skills, because this is what you really want to know, right? This is what you really want to understand is how do I do both? How do I make it matter? How do I make it count? I don't have soft skills that are just fluffy and all of that, but it really does matter. So step number one, you got to change your mindset from what to how, how things get done, how you are as a person when you come in. If you were to ask your team, what are three traits of you, what would they say? What do you think they would say? Do you want to be the leader you always wanted to work for? Well, guess what? You can be, but you got to make that mental mind shift of focusing on the how versus the what. Number two, expect nothing in return at first, because if this is not something you normally do, anytime you change a behavior in what you're trying to do, people instinctively don't believe you up front or they think, oh, well, they probably went to some some class or watched some webinar or they went to some a live event. Now they're all fired up and all that. But hey, you know, in a week or two, they'll they'll go back to being their old self. And so don't expect that you can just throw it out there once and everybody's just going to jump all over it. You got to give them time to understand that's who you really are now. That's how you really operate. Or let's say you're taking over a new team. Same thing. Whoever led them before is going to be completely different than you were. And they're not going to believe you right away. But it got, it's got to start with you and how you are and how you look at things. So expect nothing in return at first. This is a long-term investment. Number three, remember the three development focuses that you have to focus on the individuals on your team as individuals because they're they're all different in where they are in work and how they are. You have to think about things of how you get the team to do things together. But most importantly, the third development piece is something we all forget. It's yourself. The good old fashioned seventh habit of highly effective people sharpen your own saw. So many times we become the leader and even the most well-intentioned leaders that develop their team and put all their effort into others oftentimes don't think of themselves. And it's not a selfish thing. You have to recharge the batteries. You have to learn more. You have to come up with things you didn't know and be a better version of yourself. Would you want to work for you 10 years ago or are you better now? So don't forget about yourself. So have three development focuses the individual on your team, the team itself, and you. Number four, daily behaviors for an extended period of time become your culture. That's just, a, that's just a fact. Whatever it is that you allow to go on for an extended period of time, that's your culture. Not what you say it is, not what you hope it is, not what's on some pretty poster on the wall. It's what you allow. And I mean that, what you allow. Because the cool thing is, as the leader, you get to decide and be the gatekeeper. 
of what you do and don't allow. That is up to you. And what you gotta have is this really strong filter in your head that if you're not led that way, you don't use that as a right to not be the leader you wanna be. You gotta be you and you still get to decide. Even if you're led poorly, even if you're not led the right way, lead how you want to how you know you should. You got to be strong enough to do that. And number five, focus on what actually matters. So we talked a little bit here in the, in the first couple of steps on the soft skills part, but we guess hey, we got to execute. We got to make things happen. Well, you once you take what those four things bring, you add, well, what matters? Show your team what winning looks like, that what they do creates that winning. Eliminate the voids of information of what they don't know, because when they your team doesn't know stuff, Guess what? Negativity fills that void automatically. This is how humans work. So you got to show them what winning looks like. Show them what they do matters and they'll keep doing it. Talk about the behaviors you want. So number five is focus on what matters because you've already built the trust in the behaviors in the other four. So to sum it all up, soft skills are how you do things and they honestly do not take more time than not doing them. They actually add time because of so many problems you eliminate just by how you're now leading that you were never doing before. Have a tough filter for those above you that aren't like that. So you don't turn into that. You be the leader you want to be and you understand that it all is really up to you as the leader. And soft skills are hard skills, but they are the best skills. Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.